You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Michael McClard. Michael, thanks so much for being with me today. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Michael, we're talking on November 15th in 2022, and we're talking about a show you had earlier this year at Jennifer Bond Gallery uh, called Bizarre Delight. Uh, I guess to begin with, um, tell me a little bit about the title of that show, Bizarre Delight. I, 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 I could kind of infer well, a lot was, from the work, but yeah, tell me. That was um, a title that Jennifer came up with, and I, you know, I approved it, of course. Um, but uh, the drawings are kind of bizarre, and um, but and I don't know if I'd say they're lighthearted, but they do have a, a kind of humor to them. Uh, so it seemed like an appropriate, appropriate title for the show. They were, they were, I don't know if you would call them drawings or paintings. I mean, they were pastels and they were pretty uh, densely figured, you know, so some people call those pastel paintings, but um, I, I think of them more as drawings. And, but that's the medium. They're pastel on paper. All of them, is that yes. Correct? Yeah. And they were 18 so, by uh, 24. So let's talk about these. These are all characters. These are all, they look like portraits. They look like um, a family or, or, a, or a group of friends <laughs> in a way. Some, the, the, yes. These are kind of like, like distorted. A community of, of monsters. Yeah, the community uh, of monsters. So, so who are these figures and, and, and what, is your, what is this community? Because they, they obviously are coming well, from my, a uh, place. And, I think my... Um, modality of working is um, it's very direct and kind of unrehearsed. I just um, begin the thing and follow wherever the initial gestures lead. Um, but I, 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 I mean, I think that process allows me to kind of open up my subconscious. And uh, so these are, figures from my collected experience, you know, at any given moment, the sum total of my life experiences right there on the line. I'm trying to live on that, on that moment. And that's like, sometimes um, I'll draw or paint or make an image and um, it's somebody that I, have seen on the street or somebody I may subsequently see on the street, but they're kind of like um, archetypes that come out of the subconscious. That's how I think of them. So let's talk about one of them. It, it sounds like there's, they each have a, a story to some extent, right? There's um, some one of them called, do, I yes. may have, one's called, I may have to bite you, you know, um, yeah, which, which that's maybe a kind of slightly Dracula-esque, but but what's 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 happening there? Or, or I mean, I know these are well, these it are, is I, it is that. I mean, it, it's like uh, it, that's a kind of. Um, I mean, I think of that as being a feminine character, and it she does look a little bit uh, vampiric, and you know, 
so I went with that in the title, and I thought it was kind of funny, the, uh, the possible imperative. Well, they, having, they all do have, to, to me, a bit of a sense of humor, right? There is a sense of humor. I mean, some of them are kind of grotesque, and it seems that there's a number of things going on, but but there is a sense of humor running through this, correct? I hope so, yeah. I mean, I I try to maintain a sense of humor. <laughs> it seems so let's, essential let's to talk survival about, uh, in this. Yeah, in, this, in, in these times or well, in all times, yeah. Um, yeah. Sense of humor is important. Miss um, Bozart uh, is, is another one. That yeah, I now Miss like. Miss Bozart is um, actually, I did that drawing and, you know, it wasn't uh, that I intended to make a portrait of this person, but as the drawing evolved, it reminded me of um, my sixth grade teacher, and her name was actually Miss Bozart, and it was spelled B-O-O-Z-A-R-T. <laughs> you know, it's pretty strange. It is strange. The name you'd make up for a teacher, yeah. Yeah, and she was kind of a monster. You know, she's maybe one of the worst teachers I ever had. And I had a very uh, checkered academic career. My father was in the Navy, so I traveled a lot growing up. And uh, I never lived in any one place longer than four years, you know, so, and that happened to be, I I, I can't imagine how a child adjusts to that. I've known other people who, yeah, you know, have, have parents in the military and they're traveling. I can't imagine how school would work with that. Well, I ended up, um, I mean, you know, in retrospect, I feel like I was somehow cheated by the American education system uh, i feel like i'm not very well educated but um you know I, children are very uh their plasticity of you know childhood it's like they adapt to anything and you're not really aware of uh of any standards per se as a kid you everything that you're experiencing is normal because it's all you know. So, right. Uh, but I see in uh, in retrospect that it makes uh, certain things, you know, like social bonding, uh, kind of difficult because uh, my whole formative period was spent making friends and then leaving them immediately and not looking back and not really having any uh, mechanism for maintaining uh, communication with them, you know, if you're in elementary school or whatever. I went to seven different high schools, you know, so I had a pretty uh, traumatic uh, high school experience. Yeah, I can't imagine how how, how that's navigated. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, in talking about education and, you know, or the lack of it, or the distortion of it. In that case, you, you did, you did 
graduate high school, and then you got your BFA at the San Francisco Art Institute, which, you know, and, and, and talk, I'd like to talk about a number of things that happened after that, but, but that must have been a welcome transition and relief in terms of teachers, education, and, and a consistent student body. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I ended up graduating from high school in um, Spain, in a, the a military base in Spain, and, uh, and then I went off to college, and that was the first time I felt like I, you know, had some sort of control over my life. And, uh, and I did start making friends who have remained friends, you know, for the rest of my life. Not very many, a couple, but nonetheless, uh, better than none. So, and and at the we're kind of getting is, is when you really developed into like an artist, and and, and then after that, you know, well, you I started to... self-identifying as an artist pretty early on, you know, in my teenage years, and it was mostly because, you know, I, you know, uh, it was stuff that I could do without a lot of social support. I, you know, I. Well, I don't want to go into my life story, but anyway, I, you know, I could make paintings and things at home and occupy myself. I, there, uh, I think the tenth grade, I, uh, I had to repeat the tenth grade because I just cut school all the time. You know, I ended up um, making art in my little apartment in Arlington, Virginia, at that point. Uh, so let's talk about some of the some of the, 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 the getting back to the characters. There was um, there's another one that I really love called Exasperated Clown, um, a, ca- yeah. a kind of wonderful character that uh, you know has a tremendous amount of energy to it. Is, is that also a character that has a relationship to a story or or your life in some way? Um, well. No, I mean uh, that's just a character that emerges somehow from my, uh, you know, total life experience. I would say um, it's like a figure that uh, I was more reacting to the way the thing turned out, and I would go like, "Yeah, that looks like an exasperated clown. I can relate to that." I mean, I guess obviously I would relate to it since it came somehow from me. You you talk about the subconscious or unconscious and archetypes. There's there's one called Hello Darling, which strikes me as as, as something like this. This looks like almost like a mythic animal of some kind. Uh, Hard to define. Doesn't really look to me... um, uh, quite quite the same as the other characters. Seems like it's in a maybe a slightly different world than the other characters. I I could be wrong, but I'm, but I read that one slightly differently. Um, and that really feels like a, like an entirely different type of character. Or am I wrong? Is that, is that similar to these other characters? Hello, darling. Um, I'm trying to remember what that one. 
That's a, that's a kind of a purple face. It almost looks like there's a um, a kind of a, a blue, uh, you know, kind of oh, and, sure yeah, just ground, but but a, a set of red. I mean, teeth, I exactly remember. It. I think it it just seemed like an archetypical um, sort of socialite kind of person energy to it. I don't know if that is that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Same it could be appropriate. It could be, yeah. Well, now that you say, yeah. Um, so as a, as a I'm trying to find uh, some these images, but I'm having a hard time, honestly. Yeah, a lot of purple in that face, and and in blue, and a, and a kind of ochre background, um, yellow ochre background. Um, so. So you were, you know, when we were talking a little bit about your education and then and then college, you were a sculptor and then and then went on to to form Colab in New York. Uh, correct. This is this is you were you were making quite different work then. Yeah. Well, when I was at uh, the San Francisco Art Institute, I was, uh, you know, I don't know if you could call it a major per se, but I was studying. You know, I was in the sculpture program. And I had started um, at the Denver University and school there, and I did two years there. Um, and then I went out to San Francisco during um, Easter break or something, and I thought, wow, this is incredible. My, I, my girlfriend at the time, uh, her sister was... Uh, married to a guy who was going to school there. So I kind of discovered that school in that way. And uh, I thought, wow, this is the place I want to be. So we moved out there. And, um, and, and go ahead. And then, and then, yeah, I'm sorry, go on. No, I just, you know, I like the school and um, it actually was really great for me. I met um, a lot of, people there that were, you know, cool. Um, and it was a very, you know, it was 1969. So you can imagine, you know, LSD was part of the curriculum. And, uh, you know, we always had a big jug of wine at our, uh, I was in the honors program there. And uh, we always had, you know, a couple jugs of Gallo at our, sem- you know, when we would have our, seminars and uh, talk about basically we'd sit around and snipe at each other. (laughs) It was a very, uh, you know, we were supposed to critique each other's work on a sort of regular basis. And it was a very uh, sort of Socratic environment. And then, and then New York, um, Collab, can you tell me about that? That was a kind of uh, you know, very well-known so, group, and, and, and yeah. you began that? Well, I was the um, founding president of Collab, um, but it actually it evolved from uh, a series of meetings of artists and stuff. My friend, uh, Robin Winters, who I had met at the Art Institute, uh, was in New York. I think he was in, had gone into the Whitney program. Um, but anyway, everybody was grousing all the time about 
the, a lack of support for young artists and uh, the all of the sort of established sort of institutional places that modify or modulated the flow of money to artists seem to be um, dominated by some kind of political, you know, faction, you know, of some kind. And so we thought maybe it would be possible to start our own arts organization that was run as an artistic collective, you know, like just artists. And uh, the idea was that the projects that we would fund with the money that we got from uh, grants and things of that sort uh, would um, only go to projects that involve three or more people, you know, just so that it wouldn't be like, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like an interesting kind of premise for handing out money and for raising money. And it actually, I think, ended up stimulating a really huge number of people in terms of their art production and enthusiasm and uh, connections. You know, just the, uh, it was a social environment. Yeah, that's very exciting. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and then go on there. That must have been pivotal in your, in your development as an artist. Well, it was in a sense, um, I became pretty alienated from the group right around the time of the Times Square show. Um, you know, I served as, you know, I basically, you know, worked with a lawyer and drew up the bylaws for the, for Colab. And uh, when we were finalizing it, the lawyer said, are you sure you want to do this? Because I, one of the stipulations was that the president a new president would be elected every year. And he said, you know, you could make yourself president for life. And I had absolutely no interest in doing that. You know, I wanted to make art. I didn't want to be a, an administrative uh, bureaucrat. And I, I, you know, I just, I thought that was uh, not in my best interest. So uh, I stuck with the, the one year term and so at the end of my first year, and I was really relieved that it was over and that a new president was, you know, had been or was going to be elected. Um, my, the woman that I was living with, uh, Liza Bear, who also, um, you know, she was a co-publisher and editor of Avalanche magazine. I don't know if you are familiar with her work, but yeah, um, sure. so anyway, um, the initial uh, umbrella organization under which the whole thing was organized was um, what was her thing called uh, creative something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it was sort of under the auspices of Avalanche magazine that the whole thing got started, you know, in terms of the 
official business that went on. So anyway, Liza and I had, well, I'd been off in um, the Netherlands uh, doing a visiting artist, you know, artist in residence thing at, uh, in Groningen and, um, and then another thing in Amsterdam. And then Liza had been invited to a, a video exhibition thing in Rome. So she came over at, at the end of that month in the Netherlands and we bought a car and we drove down to Rome and did that. And, you know, we had a very nice trip and we went, I think on that trip, we went, also went over to um, Zagreb and Yugoslavia and then Yugoslavia and uh, did some stuff there. And then we, drove back to Amsterdam and flew back to New York and, you know, it was, we had a good time, but we got back and there was the first meeting of collab. It was at, I guess in the autumn that we arrived there and um, apparently people were very mad at us and they accused Liza of intercepting an invitation to this thing in Rome and not telling anybody about it. it was, and the whole thing, it just got very, I don't know. I, I I was really mad at those people because the the way they dealt with it was that at this first meeting of the new season, they kind of held the kangaroo court and unloaded on us without any warning. You know, they accused me of embezzling money because I'd written myself a check, which was had to be co-signed by Robin, but a check for $300 to, compensate me for um, out-of-pocket expenses and all of the time I'd put in during the previous year getting this thing together. And I just, like, at that point, I, I didn't want to talk to those people anymore. So um, I didn't participate in the Times Square show. And I pretty much broke with all of those people at that point. So... It wasn't exactly a happy resolution, but it was um, significant. You know, uh, it's probably not and, what people want to hear. <laughs> no, it's good. It, it, it's good to hear because that's part of what happens. There's, there's misunderstandings and, and you know, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a, a rude awakening to the uh, real politic of the art world, you know, and all of the. Uh, kind of weird competitiveness and uh, backbiting that goes on um, in a, and that's, that was, you know, so anyway, I, it doesn't matter at this point in my life, but uh, it mattered in the moment back then. And, uh mm. Yeah, that's not. I think that's important to mention and and get on the record too. Um, you know, it's great talking about this show. This was work you were, of course, in the style you were revisiting. Um, what's what's happening in your studio now? Are you continuing work like this, or moving in another vein, or or, or something else? Well, I am moving in another vein. Um, I mean, I just I spent. Uh, I, bought a house in LA um, and converted it into a live workspace. And 
which involved um, some pretty extensive um, architectural modifications to the structure. I took out two-thirds of the second floor, so I have a big, um, a big room with very high ceilings that I've, and um, a wall of uh, north light. So it's a very pleasant space, and the location is great. It's in the middle of a park. It's called um, sort of over by Dodger Stadium. Um, but it's it's a um, it's Elysian Elysian fields, so to speak. I'm at the end of a dead end road, which is apropos. But like it's very that, beautiful. Um, I look out the window and I just see hills and trees and. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of at the high end of the canyon. It's not, you know, it's really very pleasant. And, um, but, you know, the construction of the house and all of that has been, a, I guess, the my main work of the last couple of years. I mean, it's probably the most uh, substantial object I've ever made or modified or whatever. And uh, and it's sort of optimized for the way I work and uh, when I make paintings. Michael, um, it's been great talking to you about this. And it was at the, you know, and congratulations on that show this year. I, I, I want to ask you one more thing before we go, which is a little off topic, but what are you reading at the moment? Um... Well, I haven't actually uh, read that much of it, but I recently got a very nice three-volume set of uh, Proust's Remembrance of Things Past, which I'm kind of looking forward to reading. Um, And then uh, my, I mean, it's not something I'm, reading, reading, because I've already read it. But uh, my mother um, is a writer. She taught creative writing you know, at uh, university for a while. And uh, she has a memoir called Leavings, and um, a memoir of a 1920s Hollywood love child, which I recommend to any of your listeners. It's really, she's a, a great writer and uh, it's a very interesting story, the story of her life up to a point. You know, to, I think it sort of ends in the in terms of the, the memoir. I think it goes up into the 60s. And then after that, uh, I mean, she's still alive. and uh, She's 95 years old. But uh, you could say that's what I'm reading. I like that. Um um, I'll put that down here for others to get to know a little bit more and also relate to your show. Of course, I, I want to thank you, Michael, so much for talking with me today, for making that work, and, and spending time with me. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for uh, your curiosity. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>